Amen. I just want to encourage you, if uh, you're new or even have been here for some time, to fill out one of these cracks. You know, the trend in churches, many people fall through the cracks, don't they? You know, it's hard to kind of maintain um, with your limited resources to keep everybody connected in kind of like in a family environment. And how many know that the church is that? It's a family. It's not an organization. Um, So I'd encourage you to get connected, use these cards, utilize them, and we will try our best. Hundreds of people fall through the cracks in this ministry. But if you fill out this, it's a great tool for us to keep in track and to... uh, do follow-ups and whatnot. Again, too, for our November 16th on-ramps and exits. Let me just briefly give you uh, a little understanding of what that is. Um, we are looking to provide on-ramps of service in the ministry. Many people have come to us on a Sunday, weekly basis. They, How can I get involved? How can I be a part? How can I serve? How can I do this? How can I do that? Well, my friend, this is a way of how you can be introduced to things that might interest you to be a part of in this ministry. Do you understand that? Okay, great. Now, the exits are, we also need exits. You know, some of us think that if we sign up for Children's Church for a season, that that's our final resting place, and we get discouraged. We're just up with the children, praise God. How many know that up with the children is the best place to be? If I'm not down here, I'm up with the children. You know that? I lead by example. Because the children are important, but I just use that as a reference point. But there needs to be exit strategies also for people who want to serve for seasons. So that's why we're calling it on-ramps and exits, okay? So come out November 16th. We're going to have, I think, a luncheon or something like that. It's going to be at J-Hop, 135 Western Avenue. Connect with Crystal if that interests you. Uh, Also, for our Vision Sunday, those of you who have signed up to be part of those four core values that we talked about on Vision Sunday, come. Somebody say next to your neighbor, say, do not not come. Do not not come. (laughs) Okay, Christine is going to teach me proper English after. (laughs) Well, I have to confess, I am extremely exhausted right now. Uh, Me and my wife and my son came off a, 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 a flight out of LAX this morning. Actually, last night, but we got here in Boston around 8 o'clock, and I'm running off of two hours of sleep, praise God, because... Who can sleep on a jet plane? I mean, first class maybe, but I ain't got those Benjamins, okay? I ain't got that dough. So, I mean, we tried, man. You can start. We're flipping over the table. We're laying on the table. We're trying to lay back. Bethany sprawled across. It just wasn't working. You know the best one who slept was Abram. Abram was out like a light. This last half an hour, he woke up. We were landing. It was great. So, But I am running off two hours of sleep and some kombucha. Ooh. Ah. Uh, I love Jacob Kim. Yes. So I'm going to have a sip right now. Well, how many have enjoyed the series that we're doing on developing a healthy heart? Do we feel like now we've grasped some of the importance in the scripture of Jesus puts on having a healthy heart? Come on. Jesus is not just interested on my outward appearance. Thank you, God, that he's not because this this outward man needs a lot of work. Maybe a facelift, some Botox. No, uh, just kidding. Um, but Jesus is looking at the heart, and he's interested on developing our heart. Come on, somebody. Amen. Well, this is our fourth week, and I have the privilege of touching upon Matthew 5.8. 
the Beatitudes. Somewhat of a very familiar scripture, sometimes a scripture of which we kind of leave for our children to learn and we forget about as we get into adulthood. But this is Jesus' first message, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And I believe that the Beatitudes are so crucial. Actually, they summarize, I believe, or kind of sum up the whole New Testament. That if we could get the Beatitudes in terms of living these attitudes out in our life, man, what an impact it would make in our lives and the lives of those who are surrounding us. But Matthew 5.8 kind of jumped out on me a week and a half as I was preparing. And I know this scripture, but I really, you know, how many know like when you like go past beyond just reading a scripture, like, oh, yeah, that was nice. And then when you read something, it's like, whew, that's good. I mean, all scripture is, whew, that's good. But sometimes our reaction to it is like, oh, that's great. Awesome, Paul. Awesome, Jesus. That's great. But Matthew 5, 8, what does it say? It says, what does it say? It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Come on. Think about that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Man, we could stop the message right now and just think about that for half an hour. The importance that Jesus puts on the heart being what? Pure. For what? Oh, that we should see God. And I'm not saying that you'll will we'll see a visual uh, manifestation of God. But, you know, I find that I will understand who God is more. I'll see him for who he really is. You know, it's easy to make an image of God in your own mind, you know? It's he, maybe, I'm, maybe I stand alone with that. Maybe, I, maybe I'm alone. But I, it's very easy for me to put God in a box and say, God, this is who you are. But, you know, every time that I do that, you know, aware or unaware, I find God is so much different than the box that I put him in. So I believe that this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, listen, you get a pure heart, and through you getting a pure heart, you will see God for who he really is. Not for who you've made him to be, not for who the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day have taught you, but you will see him for what he really is. Man, and it just... A profound statement, as the whole uh, Sermon on the Mount is. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I like to split these up into two different categories, because they really are two different things. In the terms of the way that we think about them, I like to break them up and to say, blessed are the pure in heart. I like to put blessed in the pure heart, blessed are the pure in heart right here, and, you know, just for a visual, and for they shall see God right here. First question that comes to my mind is, what does it mean to be pure in heart? You know, you, you, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that thinks like that. Maybe I'm the, that's the only, I'm the only person those thoughts go through my mind. But really, what does it mean, Jesus? Because I, like you, I would assume, have a deep desire to see God. I do. But the powerful thing about it in terms of what Christ said here is you cannot separate the two. You know, you cannot put... Uh, a pure heart, and they shall see God, they must work together. You can't, you can't separate them. The pure heart is the release of the vision of God, or to see God for who he really is. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're breaking them up in two. We're not separating, we're just breaking up in two different categories. You know, a good indicator that helps us to identify the condition of our heart is the fruit that our heart is bearing. 
You know, what fruit is your heart bearing? You, let, me, let, me just, let me just read a scripture verse. You're like, wait, wait, a heart bears fruit? If you would turn with me to Luke 6, 43 through 45. I'm just going to read this real quick. If you've got your Bibles, a good thing. iPads, iPods, iPhones. No Facebook. Bible. Praise the Lord. This is what it says in Luke 6, 48 through 45. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Makes sense, right? And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. All right, thank you, Jesus. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from the thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from the bramble bushes. A good person, listen, this is what I want you to focus on. A good person produces good things from the treasury. If you have treasury, just, just, just highlight it or underline it if you can. The treasury of what? A good heart. Let me just read that again. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So here we go. We have Jesus talking about the heart producing good things. But we also have him kind of putting in that scripture. He's talking about a treasury, something that is saved up or stored up. Come on. Uh, Listen, you know, let me just give you a little imagery if I could. So honestly, I think what Jesus is saying here is that when you don't have the resources to, uh, in every situation or in every circumstance of life, bear good things, you can pull from the treasury that you've stored up throughout the years. Does that make sense? Let's get into that. We'll get into that a little bit here. So treasury, again, is a place where things are stored up, saved up, and dispersed. So we can assume that by Jesus using the word treasury here in Luke 6, Jesus is teaching us that a good person doesn't produce good things on the spot or just by chance. Rather, Jesus is saying that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. That means there's something saved up. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me try this. Okay, let me just get, I don't have an example right in my head. Maybe I wrote it down. Okay, have you ever heard the example uh, or, or the saying, uh, save your money for a rainy day? I know probably none of us do it. Well, my parents would always say, Daryl, you got to save your money for a rainy day. Okay, example here. We, we about uh, two years uh, ago, bought a house. Somebody gave us a large sum of money. They said, buy a house. We're like, praise God, we bought a house. But how many know that when you buy a house, those who are homeowners here, you are responsible for everything. If the roof leaks, you cannot call your landlord and say, brother, the roof is leaking, come and fix it. When we were renting, we could do that, right? Something went on in our house back in Arlington, man. We had a water heater go. It's like a $1,500, $1,700 fix. Call up the landlord. No hot water. Praise God. Now, we had the same thing happen at our house in Haverhill that we bought. We can't call up landlord. The the hot water tank went. We had to take responsibility on our own. Right? Simple example, right? But, you know, we had money saved up. So when the challenge 
of a 17, I think it actually cost us $1,800. We might have got robbed, Fabiana. We didn't know you at the time. But uh, it was $1,800. But, you know, we had the money, the money stored up in our savings account to say, okay, we got to fix the water heater. So you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, listen, it's not necessarily something that's going to happen by chance or on the spot. You know, it's, you, you can't just um, always have the mechanics to respond correctly in all situations. you got to sometimes pull from what you have saved up. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? The treasury of a good heart. You know, the best example we have of this, I believe, is Job. Here's a man that is extremely blessed by God, favored, loved. He's got money. He's got wealth. He's got kids. He's got everything. Everything's going good. And we all know the story. Satan goes into the presence of God. I still can't wrap my head around that. Uh, but he goes and he says, listen, you know, I think I can snuff this punk out. <laughs> and, and Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't snuff this dude. He's real legit. You can try. You know, but you can't harm him. You can't, you can't touch him. You can take his wealth. You can hurt his family, and he most certainly did, but you can't touch Job. So here's Job in the midst of blessing. He's probably so blase, blase about what is going to about happen in his family and what's about to happen with his wealth and his livestock and his workers. And all of a sudden, Satan opens a can of wood butt on Job. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was faced with half of the things that Job went through, I'd probably crumble, break, curse God, like my wife suggested, or not Bethany, but you don't understand what I'm saying. I probably would have said, you're right. What is going on? I mean, you understand, this guy's animals were stolen, his servants were murdered, uh, his own family was partying up at a household, feasting, winds came in, blew the house down, and they died. I, I, don't, I couldn't even imagine standing under that pressure or that assault. But what can Job do? He pulls upon the treasury. What does he say? Let's, let's go here to, uh, let me just find it in my notes. Oh, please, Jesus. Okay, Job uh, chapter 2. Oh, man, I, th- I don't know if I wrote it down. Jesus. This is, hap- this is what happens when you're going off of two hours of sleep, boys and girls. Those red eyes are dangerous. Okay, Job chapter 2. Let me just get there in my Bible here, guys. Thank you for your grace. So here we are. We know what happens in Job chapter 1. Job, the beginning of Job chapter 2, Satan goes, okay, that didn't work, but I'm going to go back into the presence of God, and I'm going to see if I can go a little deeper. I'm going to see if I can attack Job's wealth. And God gives him the permission, tells him he can't harm, or no, his health, I'm sorry, not his wealth, his health. Let's go down, we all know the scripture. Let's go down to verse 10. This is now when his wife has come to him and said, are you foolish? Curse God and and, and just walk away because this is crazy. And this is what Job says. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Amen, Job. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in this, Job said nothing wrong. So in other words, Job says, listen, we can accept God when he's pouring out blessing. Shouldn't we even more so 
accept what he's doing now? Shouldn't we even more so uh, uh, just, just pull from the treasury of responding right in this, this trial that we're going through? Guys, we're not just talking about you bumped your head, you lost your girlfriend, your bank account's zero. We're talking about your family's dead, your servants are gone, all your livestock is gone. And Job's saying, hey, you know, honey, I'm sure he didn't say that. Said, Get behind me, devil woman. But he, he's... <laughs> all right. But Job says, should we just accept the good things? You know, where should we be when things get shaken, when things happen? Job pulls on the treasure. I don't know if really he had that resolve right at the, the first outgoings of Satan's assault on his life. But surely, man, he had something to pull from in a time of need. And guys, at this point, the guy was scraping the boils on his body with a flowering pot. Okay? That is... The, some of you had a, some of you had a, have a bad hair day and it's like, oh Jesus, or some of you like, the pastor didn't say hi to me. I'm never going to that place again. I just don't love Jesus. You understand, we get so bent out of shape about the littlest things. Where is the treasury that we can pull from? You know, I'm learning this in my life, that when I'm faced with hardship, when I'm faced with it's really just things not going my way. I don't necessarily have the correct response right out the door. But man, I do have a treasury which I can go to. And you know, usually for me what that is, is just going back and say, okay, God, I don't necessarily feel your goodness right now. But man, just a couple months ago, you know, I remember this where you came out for me. You, you came for bat for me. You, you provided for me, whatever it was. It's just having something to pull from when you need it. And it's not like we just need to be emotionalist and disconnected from problems. That's just unrealistic. But man, it would be good that we could get some resolve within us to say, okay, this is the way it is today. It's not going like, to be like this forever. And God's going to change some things. Amen? Come on. So the treasury of a good heart. Let me just find myself in my notes. Let's go to Matthew 7, 24, if you would. Is this making sense? Don't just say amen. If it's not, it's okay. You know, I find that some of us think, yeah, it was real cool. We were, I was serving at Gray Street. I don't know if, it's now like Revolution Church, I think is the name of it. But I was, uh, I was serving at that church a little while. They needed some help with worship. And, um, you know, I, we, weren't, we weren't doing what we're doing now, so it was, it was fine. We, we didn't have a church plant. We were just doing house of prayer type stuff, meaning on a weekly basis. There's none of this going on. So I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll serve you. I loved Chris. His name is Chris Gleason, great guy, um, doing a great work. Um, and so I, I, I served him. And one time I was, I mean, I was trying to communicate to these group of uh, ragtag guys that came in from California. They're great guys, passionate, zeal just zealous for the Lord. Uh, Y-whammers. Y-whammers are just awesome. I got nothing but love. And um, I, I forget really what was going on, but I shared something really, I think, just deflated their balloon. You know, like when you, you, know, you know when you deflated somebody's balloon, when they're just like, hey, look at my balloon. And you're just like, Pah! <laughs> you know, just like, oh, it was cool, but now it's dead. And, and I just had one of those moments, and I felt really weird because I felt really the power of the Holy Spirit upon what I was saying. 
And I'm sure maybe there was one or two others that did. But man, those dudes, we just were on two different pages. They were like, really? Because they're all like naming and claiming. They're like, we're going to shake Harvard and break down the walls of ideas. And I'm like, dude, I've been here for seven years. Okay. You know, so I throw a dart at the thing. I, I, I deflated the balloon and I just felt so awkward because they were just like, who is this Jamoke? And Pastor Gleason said something to me, you know, he's like, Daryl, sometimes it's not the way that it's being communicated. Sometimes it's the way it's being heard. Do you understand? You know, we miss so much. And, it, and it's not in all the ways things are being communicated. It's the way they're being processed in our ears. You know? Uh, can anybody attest to that? I mean, that's kind of off. But that, that is just a great thing for us to learn. Uh, you know what I do? Uh, if I have like some kind of response, you know those responses when the pastor's up or some, maybe somebody's up and they're talking about this or they're preaching a message or they're praying something and you're just like, ugh, I just don't agree with that. Ugh, ugh. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't play me like you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? Because we, uh, listen, all things are common among the brethren. Are they not? I'm there, I'll throw myself in the boat, definitely been there. Oh my God, I can't believe what that girl is singing. Or this better yet, would you just sing a song? Or would you just end this worship, sir? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> would you stop? No, not another song. Oh, my God. Oh, don't go there. Don't talk about that, Pastor, please. You know, and I find that's more about you and I than it is about the person delivering. Does that make sense? And we miss so much in that kind of exchange we miss so much of what the Lord wants to do in our heart because of this. And we go, you know, we all know what it's like. We get in our cars with our friends. I can't believe they preached on. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe they did 45 minutes of worship. Guys, get ready because you're going to be doing worship around the clock when you get to heaven. And we got a good thing in New England going on where you can go and you can find a service where you're just worshiping for 15 minutes. If that's what you like, go ahead. But you're not going to find it here, friend. You're not, because we pour ourselves out in worship. Matter of fact, if we could just turn this whole time into a worship set, we could probably do it, because we just love the Lord. So I would encourage you, engage yourself rather than becoming uh, standoffish and kind of, you know, ears, ears, man. I don't know why I went on that. I just think that's helpful. You know, I've, I've really just tried to position my heart that when I find that if I'm standing under uh, an anointing or if I'm standing under a good preaching gift and something is like rubbing me the wrong way, I find it's more about me than the person communicating. And then I say, God, open my heart. Open my ears to receive. And you know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in and he floods me. And I'm just like, well, I could have missed out. I could have totally just checked out, been whatever, mad, offended, jaded, whatever it be, and I would have missed out on that blessing. And then, right, and so I just learned to, in every circumstance, I mean, sure, you got to discern and you got to, but let's not get carried away with it. You just trust the Holy Spirit, and man, he will meet you. He's met me every time since I've been doing it. I don't know why I went on attention. Let's turn to Matthew 7, 24. Now, we're talking about Job, right? Here's a man. Definitely had some reserve. He definitely had some treasury going on, something to pull from when he was in his crisis. Guys, we need a treasury today. We need something to pull from 
when we don't, ex- when we're getting hammered or when we're getting our backs thrown up against the wall and we don't necessarily have the right things maybe to verbalize or to do or to say, we need something to pull on, something that reminds us about the Lord's goodness. Maybe not then, but surely something that maybe happened in the past. I tell you, what did David did? You see all through the Psalms where he would, he would go through these trials and these hardships. And what did he do? He started to just get in the presence of the Lord and start to remind himself of things that the Lord did for him in the past. I remember, Lord, when you, you know, I recall, I bring back to my mind, God, when you did this. We need some of that. Come on, surely, surely. I mean, I don't think there's any of us, forgive me if I'm wrong, that are below maybe the age of 20. So you got 20 years of experience. Maybe surely you didn't have it in the younger register. But I'm sure now you do where there's something to pull from. Guys, it's a resource. It's a tool. It's something that you can make a withdrawal from. Come on. When that water heat broke down, I said, honey, don't worry about it. We got this cover. Got the $1,800 saved. Shabow, hot water. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Because you need some hot water. You get some stank on your body, and it's just not cool. Okay. Matthew. I want to just confess that I, I don't have an ending for this sermon. It's not because I didn't prepare, friend. It's not that I didn't study, because I surely did. Um, but I, I just couldn't find any conclusions. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But let's turn to Matthew 7, if you're not already there. I think I've said that five times now. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid, wa- solid rock, through, though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey, it is, he is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Honestly, I think that this best frames Job's life. There was something of which his life was built upon. You know, when those winds came and actually stole and killed his children, when those, those guys came and, and stole from Job and murdered his servants, there was something of which was beyond just those circumstances that his life was built upon. Come on, if, if, does, this, does this resonate that when those floodwaters come, when those winds beat up against your house today, is there something of which your life is built upon other than sand? The first, the first appearance of adversity, are we, you know, kind of cowing back and getting complaining and, 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 and moping and, and grumbling against God? You're not doing this. Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Friend, today, we need to build our lives upon the rock, upon the rock of Christ. Got so many, you know, and I say this with the absolute love and respect in my heart. We got so many wishy-washy Christians out there. I don't mean that in a negative way. Please, don't. I, I'm one of them. Praise God. You know, I, I'm continuing. Though I'm weak, you're strong. And in my weakness, your strength is manifested. 
right? I mean, there, yeah, there's truth to that. But there, there becomes a point where we are overstepping that boundary just a little too far. And our weakness has utterly consumed us to where we cannot stand against anything. And, and fortunately, it's not within us that can do that anyways. It's in Christ. But if my life is totally based upon circumstances and this situation and that situation, man, I wouldn't be up here today, friend. I wouldn't be sharing the word of God with you. I wouldn't be leading worship. I, I, I would be out in the world because I've definitely had some things that have shaken me to the court. Listen, I know this is basic 101 stuff. Don't get me wrong. I haven't come to de like develop some kind of mysterious plan for you to, 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 to expose the mysteries of God. I, I haven't, I, I can't do that. I got like, I, I barely passed high school. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, and I'm here amongst a bunch of smart, beautiful, talented people. But you know what? Sometimes God will use weak people, won't he? Yeah. And why? Because my, uh, my abilities today are not within myself. My, my giftedness is not, you know, I have to trust in the Lord, you see? You know, you, you just, you got no other, other ways but just utter dependency upon Jesus. And I think even for you who are extremely educated, and I'm going to go out on a whim here, extremely talented in your mind, extremely gifted, could use to just have a little bit more dependency upon God. Come on. Oh, I could have heard a pin drop. All the edu uneducated people are like, amen. <laughs> That's right. Come on. Woo! If you, could have, if you had a tambourine today, you're like, <laughs> right? Come on. We can put so much trust, and it's really, it's just a facade anyways, in our own abilities, our own wits, our own charisma, and utterly fail at the first sign of adversity. I, I, listen, I know this is 101. I, I, I'm not dumb to that fact. But let me just bring it back here. We got a lot of weak Christians quoting the verse, in my weakness, <laughs> and, and totally missing the point of what that verse was really even about in context. Using it as a crutch. Just, I'm just here to just limp for Jesus. <laughs> you know? Come on, we are more than conquerors, aren't we? And, 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 and ultimately, I say this again with the utmost respect to those who are weak today or feeling weak. I get it. I get it. I'm feeling weak today anyway, so two hours of sleep. Um, I, I have total respect and grace for those who are uh, seeing their weakness and putting their trust in Christ saying, God, through our weakness, let your strength be manifest. But let's not use it as a crutch. Let's build our house upon the bedrock, upon the rock of Christ. Come on, there's nothing more than a testimony of one who's overcome. Not of someone who's been overcome. 
but somebody who has overcome. And ultimately, that is the, the uh, display of God's glory in every situation. It's not that I, I, I was hit or I was maybe uh, uh, whatever you want to be. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know, but I, was, I experienced some adversity. But it's what I did in the midst of experiencing that adversity. I'm just going to preach. <laughs> what, what, what would I be as a person bringing the word to you if all I presented you, presented to you was someone who was just a welcome mat for the enemy? You know, if I didn't have any testimony to say, yeah, I experienced this, and yes, in this point of life, uh, I, I, I kind of felt like the devil was walking all over me, but I overcame. They shall over, uh, what is it? They shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of what? Their testimony. It's a powerful thing. God wants to raise up some testimonies, not just somebody who's been overcome, but somebody who has overcame. You understand? We need a, a, a solid backbone in this area, a treasury, something to pull from. Amen. Thanks for bearing with me. We had a, a, a wonderful opportunity to go into uh, L.A. and be with Lou and a bunch of other uh, spiritual leaders. I'm not going to name their names because you probably think I'm cooler than I really am, but I'm not because I hadn't. I was only there ultimately because my wife is cooler than she really appears. So I'm you know, just like a third wheel. Yeah, I'll go. I get to be around who? Oh, yeah. Hey. So we made the track out there. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Lou is like a father to us. He's married us. He's dedicated our son. And he's just been in, uh, he's started the house of prayer. I mean, he's just a, such a father in the faith. And we were able to go out there and be with him and um, just encouraged uh, to see, um, you know, his response to some of the things that he's going through. Uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of things changing in his life, you know, where once there was this mobilization of hundreds of thousands, you know, uh, people going to solemn assemblies and crying out for revival for America to now ultimately being in a small little prayer room in Mott Auditorium with no music, <laughs> just the map of the world, it's some prayer. And, and I, was, I was, as he was sharing our heart as we got to go into the house of prayer and pray with him for a little while, sing some songs, um, I, I was just amazed by the man's resolve. Here's a guy who's ultimately gone from the highest of heights in ministry, ultimately to the lowest of lows. And I don't mean that like, you know, he's like, you know, downtrodden and I'm over. It's over. But he's definitely going through some trying times, some, it's just some changing and transition in the ministry where he's like uncertain. He's like, what, what's going on? And I, I, I'm deeply inspired by his resolve to stand. And my encouragement to you would to be to just do that, to have a resolve to stand. You're not disconnected today uh, through your hardships and what you go through. We're not saying that you're some kind of robot and you just have the ability to kind of mechanical you know, you, you know yes i'm not going to feel that oh i know i didn't feel that blessed be but we we really do need a backbone of steel don't we we need to build our house 
upon a rock. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. I'm not going to torture you anymore. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this word, and God, we even thank you for the simplicity of it. And Lord, we know that you're not beating us up, but you're simply provoking us, Lord, in our spirits. And God, I just ask, Lord, that this series wouldn't have been done in vain, but God, that it would uh, be transformational, God, in our lives, Lord, where we would surely be concerned as you were concerned about our heart. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you didn't put an emphasis on the outward appearances. Lord, you didn't put an appearance on the way things looked on the outward, but Lord, you looked at the inward place of man. You looked at the heart. And today, even now, God, you're looking at our hearts. Lord, I ask God for a, a resolve, Lord, in our hearts, Lord, to, to stand and not to be broken and cracked and crushed by every adversity that we face, God. Father, we ask, Lord, that truly the power of the Holy Spirit would do a work within us, God, that we would bear the image of your Son, that we would bear the reflection of Jesus, not just when we're together, Lord, even when we're apart, even when we're going through things of which nobody sees. Lord, we ask, God, that you would place within us such a purity of the heart that we would see God not for who we've made him to be, but for who he really is. Holy Spirit, come in these minutes. Lord, I do thank you, Lord, that even in my weakness today, Lord, your strength is manifest, Lord. God, it's not about me and my gift, Lord, as weak as it may be, but it's about you and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we just invite the Holy Spirit even now to transcend, to come into our hearts. responses, Lord, I thank you that our responses, God, are truly indicators, Lord, of the conditions of our heart, Lord. God, I ask, Lord, that our responses, God, our reactions would reflect the reactions and the responses of Christ. Even now, Holy Spirit, forge us into the image of the Son of God. Forge us into the image of Jesus. take a little time here. It's still early. I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit to maybe minister to some of us. And maybe it's um, in 
lines of what we spoke about this evening. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's another issue that you've been wrestling. But we don't want anybody to leave without knowing that somebody is praying for them, knowing that somebody is connected. Lord, you know, in the Scripture it says, when one suffers, we all suffer, doesn't it? We want to pick up that burden. We want to walk with you, pray with you. So I just want to encourage if it's in line to this message or if it's something else, I want to encourage you to stand. Come to the front. We're not one in thinking that we need to do altar calls every Sunday, but we surely, if there is a need, if there is a request, if there is just something that another person can stand with you and agree with you in prayer, surely we want you to come. We don't want you to feel alone struggle we don't want you to feel alone in what you're experiencing so if there is any response we want to take this time and build an altar for the Lord ask you to come just come right up opportunity to get ministered to today. Don't miss any opportunity to get some prayer if you're needed.